A young woman people can't stop talking about. Go Taylor. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. Yes, Taylor Swift. 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 Ish. What just happened? Okay, I'll start. <laughs> Welcome back to this special episode of Swifters Podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Shelby. And she shall be. And we are joined by our favorite page six Swifty, Alana Fishman. <laughs> Hello. We're so happy to have you back. Yay. Thank you so much for having me back to discuss my favorite and <laughs> arguably the best song on Midnight's. No, I'm excited. I yes. mean, uh, Ashley and I have obviously done a lot of texting. We did our episode reaction last week. She was on my other podcast, PS You're Wrong, to talk about track by track. So our feelings on the album have kind of oscillated, like, you know, favorite tracks, best moments, all of that. So I'm curious to hear how it all played out for you. And was this like an instant favorite as an album or kind of what, what did you feel on, on Midnight's? Yeah. So I feel like I've talked about this maybe on, on prior, during prior recordings, but when I listen to a new Taylor Swift album for the first time, I literally go, I saw a tweet that basically summed it up nicely. Like some Swifties go and dance to the new album with all their friends and some immerse themselves in like an 11 from Stranger Things, like sensory deprivation tank and don't want anyone coming within a mile of them. I am that category. So I listened in complete darkness Uh, by myself several times over (laughs) and historically when I pick a favorite song on a Taylor Swift album it doesn't change usually my favorites from the first listen stay my favorites throughout and that was definitely the case with Antihero yeah Um, some of the songs like lower down on my ranking list have been flip-flopping but my top three has stayed the same and Antihero has been my my top and I am just like so elated that she you know, we love Taylor here. She doesn't always pick the best lead singles or, yeah. or rather the lead singles that the fans love the most. Yeah. And she finally crushed it. I'm so she happy for one. her. Yeah. Well, Shelby and I have, have always talked about, especially Shelby, that she hasn't really done a good good job at like pushing the best songs for her singles. Yeah. And it was really interesting as a lead up, we've talked about in the past that there was no singles, no sound of Midnight's. And then she pushes with Antihero with the music video. And that was my first question for Shelby. I was like, how did you like the single? <laughs> Do you think it was like a good pick, you know, with a, with like a, a, a tasting of what the Midnight's album is. And I think she liked it. You obviously yeah. liked it. I liked it. It was number one on the Billboard Hot 100 last week, as was 10 of her songs. Yeah. So we have to give her a little like shout out for being the first artist, not Honestly. female artist, not male artist, but first artist ever to control the first 10 of the Billboard 100. It was I amazing. Know. So yeah. it was also interesting. That's to a see real fucking what? legacy, as they would say. <laughs> <laughs> interesting to see which ones like I was surprised to see snow on the beach so high um mm-hmm. that really surprised me because it's kind of a sleeper for me and me I feel like most people were like disappointed by Lana Del Rey's um, quiet contribution I guess yeah what, was that I, the one that Taylor oh, Nation ahead. was pushing was Taylor Nation pushing ghost dreams snow on the beach because remember there was like no it was songs. question mark and bejeweled those were the ones that needed to enter the top 10, like, and that, and it, I don't know, like the Tay Voodoo is real because she happened to have the bejeweled music video to kind of get it over the, 
She knew. (laughs) I mean, I like Snow on the Beach. I would say it's like right in the middle of my rankings on the album. I think it's lovely. I think it has some really standout, beautiful lyrics, like blurring out my periphery. Mm -hmm. Like it's some really choice lyrics on that track. I needed more Lana Del Rey. (laughs) Absolutely. I wanted like a nothing new Phoebe Bridgers style collab where it was like, you know. I thought that I thought that is what we had moved on to as Mm -hmm. uh, with an understanding that Taylor Swift got it. But I guess maybe Lana just wanted to do some background (laughs) vocal work. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Um, But what are your other top two? I'm curious. Yeah. So uh, Antihero is number one for sure by a landslide. Mm -hmm. Um, My number two is Mastermind. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love Mastermind. Like I get it. I have not listened to it. It's so good. I have not. I've so far not listened to it the whole way through without getting goosebumps. (laughs) I love the little Swiftian twist at the end where she tells him what she did and he gets it. I'm getting goosebumps right now just talking about it. (laughs) I was on a plane forever like this past week and I was listening to Mastermind over and over and over again. Oh, goosebumps. It's so good. And I love the kind of like interstellar spacey production (laughs) of it. It's like Jack Antonoff at his Jack Antonoffiest. Yeah. Um, that's my number two. And then the two that follow that have flip-flopped a little, but now I'm pretty sure they're staying where they are. Uh, Maroon at number three and Midnight Rain at number four. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's Midnight kind of an eclectic top three. Absolutely. <laughs> Typically, I like the more up-tempo tracks, yeah. um, which all those, you know, I mean, maybe not Maroon, actually, but they kind yeah. of like, you know, play with the production. Um, I okay, love a yeah. synth. Love yeah. <laughs> 1989 is my favorite Taylor album, so it makes perfect sense that I yeah, yeah. Yeah. gravitate towards those. How about you guys? Um, my, so oh, yeah. Go Midnight ahead, Rain, Ashley. Midnight yeah. Rain for me is up there. I can't pick a top one. Midnight Rain, um, I like Antihero and um, Mastermind and Karma. Karma's, Karma's up Karma's there up for there. me, too. I love Karma. It's so fun. Can we also talk about how – this is just my opinion. Can we talk about how karma kind of like is in line with like a lot of those similar, it's like bratty petty swift. And yes. I don't say that as an insult. <laughs> no, it's a true. It, it's like she finally, like she finally found herself in that mode. Yeah. Like I did not love, this is why we can't have nice things yeah. or, you know, look what you made me do. Um, <laughs> sorry. Speaking of lead singles, we didn't love. Um, I feel like, yeah. <laughs> Karma, she finally, like, it's a, you know, it's a petty bop. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's um, iconic. I That's really the one good. I sing the most. I have revisited I, that I one love often. it. <laughs> I have had friends message me being like, I don't know. Like, what? Well, I don't get this. I'm like, that's, that's all. <laughs> yeah. Do you, you know, have all day? <laughs> yeah. 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 Explain the backstory of this do track. Do you want to listen to Swiftest Podcast? Because yeah. you listen to that, the beginning, the first season, you'll yeah. get it. <laughs> so funny. So, I mean, we're here to talk about anti-hero, but we cannot we cannot skim over today's big news, which yeah. we knew it was coming because Taylor Swift has been talking about how excited she is for shows, for a tour. And so last night, Good Morning America was like, hey, Taylor Swift's going to be on Good Morning America. And my first mind went to tour. Um, it was either tour or the music video that she had that she had left. But it was like, it has to be tour. And it was tour. Mm-hmm. Are yeah. we excited? I think we were all we were all right on the money on yeah. that one. It was <laughs> yeah. it is 
it's time. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so what are your thoughts between – because we had thought maybe it was going to be just a Midnight's tour. We're like, how is she going to put Folklore and Evermore into this tour? But now it's a TS, like Taylor Swift eras. The eras so tour, yeah. Era – what? Hold on. Let me see. It's hashtag – it's hashtag the Eras. Eras tour. Yeah. So, like, what are we thinking? What are we hoping? What do, like she? We already know who's going to be at each of the tour for her, her guests. Like, were you guys excited? You are you registered? Do you have verified status yet? Because I don't. I'm, I'm <laughs> no. On my phone. So don't panic. I had to like set all of my coworkers' minds at ease this morning because everyone was panicking and trying to register right away. It doesn't matter when you register, just do it before the 9th. And it's crazy right now. By the way, if this is any indication of the bloodbath that the actual ticket on sale day is going to be, I'm frankly terrified. (laughs) Um, And I wonder how much this verified fan thing is going to like weed, you know, weed out the scalpers and whatnot. But um, yeah, yeah, I'm so excited. That's true. Like, Oh, oh, go ahead. God. Sorry. No, you do it. I was no. I was going to say like even with the Reputation tour, which was incredible. I remember being like, she has so much material. You can't fit yeah. this into a show. So what is it? Four or five albums later, <laughs> yeah. like how would she possibly do it? So I think this is a really good way of of doing it because you knew that like if she dedicated the the tour to a specific album, people who love the other ones would be disappointed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. This is the most fair and diplomatic way to do it, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and it's interesting because she said, I'm enchanted to announce my next, next tour, a journey through the musical eras of my career, past and present. So, I mean, one that ties into the many, many, many Speak Now references she's been making this whole cycle. Um, but I also feel like she's just making sure that we understand that this is going to be like in a mess of <laughs> – everything but I think that's sort of like what Midnight's is is that there's like you know whatever you call them sister tracks or similarities between so many of these stories and past ones so it'll be interesting to see how she navigates it but it seems like it'll be almost thematic rather than I don't know like solid track list through like I don't know like the reputation style where you hit every Midnight song and then have like her top hits Mm -hmm. it seems like it'll be more you know what, let's do it. Let's celebrate these re-recordings. Let's do Folklore Evermore. And it'll maybe be more like, you know, she could do Dear John with Woulda, Coulda, Shoulda type of kind mm-hmm. of thematic journey. Mm-hmm. I also yeah, I'm banking on a lot, like, of, a lot of mashups I yeah. think we're going to get. Because otherwise yeah. there's just not enough time to get through everything. She can't do a whole album. Yeah. You know? Well, I think it fits so. really well with the Midnight's theme because how she said she's gone back to the 13 different nights in her in her life that's kept her up. And so we've known that those 13 nights have really just gone throughout her whole career. So I'm interested in seeing how she's going to mash up these current songs with her like 13 sleepless nights. And if she's going to do that um, and I'm excited, like, is she going to pull the midnight's theme into this tour? Like have like a, a clock as the, as the main stage. Like I think midnight's is still going to be like a heavy presence, even though it's the era's tour. So I'm really excited for this. It's um, it's exciting. It's just I'm thrilled because Loverfest was canceled. As we know, one good thing about Loverfest is that we will have a higher priority in the ticket buying process if we had Loverfest um, tickets, which I think all of us did. Yeah. Um, which which of the shows are you guys like number one more excited for? Gonna go, not gonna miss. Is it the one closest to you, in New York and LA and Houston? 
Well, interestingly, um, my my sister's getting married in Italy, um, <gasps> basically around the time that she stops in New Jersey, which is the closest oh, no. uh, location <laughs> oh, to me. Gosh. So I'm thinking I may have to trek to Philly. Yeah. Um, the next um, week the 15th is... of the 13th? Because, yeah, yeah. Um, I am planning on hopefully getting tickets to Philadelphia on the 13th. Oh, my best yay. friend lives there and we're huge Swifties. So maybe we can meet up in person. Yeah. yeah, I'll let you know what I end up doing. I need to like okay. strategize and see like, yeah. <laughs> you know, before I leave the country. Because skipping this tour is obviously not an option. Yeah. Um, no. So yeah, got to gotta strategize. But mm-hmm. no, I'm excited. I mean, like the only other way I think she could have done something like this is doing, you know, multiple nights that kind of have different themes sort of like how the comparison I always use is like how Lady Gaga did like pop shows and jazz Mm. shows in Vegas yeah Mm -hmm. but that would require a separate set you know like whole different set lists and um stage design and that's just I don't think that's possible even for her yeah (laughs) Mm um but yeah okay so Philly yeah yep I'm I'm trying to do Houston and then I'm actually moving to LA next summer so it's like I'm following her across the country and I'll (laughs) definitely be seeing those (laughs) yeah I'm trying for Houston Philly and um Vegas because Vegas I moved to Salt Lake City Vegas is closest to me I'll go with a bunch of girlfriends then my best friend in Philly and then (laughs) of course my husband wants to go so we're gonna try and go to Houston so we're gonna put he bought Loverfest tickets last year too so we're gonna try and buy Houston just specifically on his Ticketmaster account Nice. So I'm just Yeah. <laughs> I know. Hopefully our Loverfest tickets that never were get us through the I chaos. Know. I know. Because I mean this is just an uh, absolute bonkers like album sales. It's a huge like testament to how her fandom has grown and just the oh, yeah. streaming levels of this album. It's it's great for her, terrifying for us. Like I just Absolutely. <laughs> Sums it up well. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot more uh hands in the pot but I'm excited to break down this track I I like like it but I'm curious to see like your analysis and kind of feelings on it obviously Mm -hmm. she led with the um music video and not only that but this is one of the few tracks she like gave background on during her Midnight's Mayhem and she kind of posited it as I don't think I've delved this far into my insecurities in this detail before. Um, I struggle a lot with the idea that my life has become unmanageably sized. Not to sound too dark, but I struggle with the idea of not feeling like a person. Don't feel bad for me. You don't need to. But this song is really a guided tour through all the things I tend to hate about myself. And we all hate these things about ourselves. And um, it's all of those aspects of the things we dislike and like about ourselves that we have to come to terms with if we're going to be this person. Um, So she says it's one of her favorite that she's ever written. And it's the, um, it's a track five, right? It's track three. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, Track five. And I prefer it to the track five on this album, which is a (laughs) controversial statement. But it it might, that's, it might as well be a track five, to be yeah, honest, yeah, and I'm yeah. kind of surprised it wasn't. Yeah. Um, no, so especially I know how Shelby, she I know Shelby was, like, thinking it was going to be, like, a deeper song, right? Because I think you were kind of like, oh, this is her insecurities. Like, I wasn't expecting the sound. Yeah. Like, yeah, no. The way that she wrote yeah. about it. It's, like, very much, like, thematically similar to The Archer, which is about mm-hmm. kind of her insecurities around relationships specifically and, like, the romantic lives that um, – she's had to live but this so I kind of was expecting probably yeah a little bit more 
you know, when I think best Taylor Swift tracks, I usually think of like All Too Well, Dear John, The Heavy Hitters. Mm -hmm. And so when she was like, oh, this is my favorite track I've ever written, I automatically went to like ballad, I guess. (laughs) I love that it doesn't, that you know, (laughs) justice for the non-ballads. Yeah. Um, I'm really glad you brought up The Archer, though, because I feel like it, and this is how I feel about actually several tracks on the album. I feel like it improves on The Archer. Mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. how, how how much you guys were into that song. I thought it was fine. Yeah, um, me too. You know, I, I vastly prefer the sound and the lyrics yeah. of Antihero. Um, and... But yeah, it does seem to play on a lot of the same themes of insecurity and and you know introspection mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah, and it's I think kind she of does interesting. the same too. Oh, yeah. Like, like she, of course she did because we have a moment in the music video where there's an actual archer who like shoots her in her mm-hmm. in her chest and where the purple blood comes out. And so that like she like we're not missing it. Like that's another Easter egg that she like slams in her face. Like she's not she's not mm-hmm. cryptic about it at all. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I think um, like thinking about Midnight and um, kind of the reaction as like as Taylor Swift has had these quiet quieter years to kind of process her relationship with the public, with her fans, I feel like you have started to see her, you know, if Lover was sort of her trying to come out, like, well, <laughs> not exactly in those terms, but kind of trying to be more honest or authentic as she talked about it in Miss Americana. I feel like she finally actually did the work and really dug into kind of what she wanted to say and share Mm -hmm. and did kind of keep us, because Lover keeps us at arm's length for the most part. It's kind of simplistic. You know, you need to calm down. Uh, All these sort of like, yes, I'm trying to be like more in open and vulnerable. Then you had like things in folklore that definitely opened it up more with mirror ball and all of that. But this album feels like, okay, you know what? I've, I've played these games. I've done the, oh, I, I forgot that you existed. This is why we can't have nice things. Like I've played all this out for you guys, but actually like, let's dig into this. Like, let's really Mm -hmm. lay it out there. And I think that is shown in this track, especially. Yeah. I also think it's possible that, you know, folklore, she kind of, when she released it, she, she gave everyone a statement that was basically like, these are not based on my story. (laughs) These are fictional accounts. I'm going into other people's minds and telling their stories now. But, you know, if you're a Swifty, you could absolutely pick up on which songs, you know, reflected back on her experiences and her own story. And I think maybe releasing an album under the cover of it being fictional kind of Mm -hmm. let her drop her guard a bit and venture into that territory that she could then explore more fully on Midnight's. Um, Because, yeah, I think Miss Americana was a real turning point in terms of opening up and sharing more of herself with fans. And then Folklore, weirdly. um, Mirrorball, This Is Me Trying, which, you know, even if it's not based on her story, you can see elements of her personality peeking through. She's tying to it. She's like, I'm going to write more into it. Yeah. So I guess, uh, obviously, we want to get into the lyrics, but she also did the music video. Um, it was released mm-hmm. on opening on like the premiere night. Um, so Ashley and I haven't really had a chance to talk about it except like first reactions. But um, 
I personally really liked this music video. I feel like we've gotten some really abstract music videos from her recently with like Willow and um, what was the one she did? Oh, Cardigan, where it's Mm -hmm. like very much like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, (laughs) a little bit more surreal kind of, oh, this is a metaphor. It was yeah yeah storybook yeah (laughs) and so this was like a nice obviously there's a lot um of symbolism but it's still kind of character and story based where Mm -hmm. it's sort of a more straightforward concept I guess written and directed by her starring a few um funny people as her grown children um so how did how did you feel about it Ilana like first watch uh did it add to why you liked this song or kind of prove your point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it it was a little lighter and sort of more wry than I was expecting yeah. for the track. Like I, I I should have guessed that she would kind of inject some humor into it. Um, but it is really, I mean, lyrically it's such a serious song yeah. mm-hmm. that I wasn't expecting her to go so kind of like light and funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> although I guess you can't say it's that funny. She's literally attending her own funeral. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I really liked it. I love the cameos. I love John Early. So I was yeah. really happy to see him in there. Um, I thought he was a perfect fit. Uh, Which one did he yeah. play? Was he the the brother from Ibiza or the brother married to Kimber? He was the Ibiza one, I believe. Okay. He looks yeah, so much like podcaster. Spencer Pratt. Like the way <laughs> yeah, that he, like everything about him was like Spencer Pratt. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's hilarious. <laughs> He's so funny. Have you watched Search Party? Oh, he's really good in it. Yeah, that's funny. I loved. I loved everything about the 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 funeral scene. Like her with her cat holding Benjamin with like you know her other cats all around her. Um, her portrait. Yeah, the portrait was great. Um, her in her casket, which kind of like gave ode to like look what you made me do. This whole funeral scene, and then just the the dialogue between between the brothers and the daughter-in-law, Kimber being the person who like supposedly killed her and pushed her off, you know, owed to Kim Kardashian. It's just 13. And showing up in her leaving. fearless tour costume yeah. from 2009. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I loved that. Iconic. Um, so one well, thing that wasn't iconic, and I think maybe we are going to dive in a little bit before we get into the lyrics, <laughs> is um, we have Taylor Swift on a on a uh, like weigh yourself mm-hmm. and on a scale. Yes. Thanks for the words I, that my baby's taken out of my brain on a scale. <laughs> and when she looks down her and her and the other Taylor, all too eager Taylor are looking and it says fat. And that kind of like blew up the first night. There's a lot of mixed reactions, people um, having negative reactions and being feeling like attacked. And it was more like triggering to them. People who could relate to it and other people who just didn't really they, they did, didn't care. Where did we fall on the scale? I know, Alana, you were really um, you know, passionate to talk about this before we hopped on and started recording. Yeah, so I, I, I can look at this in two ways. You know, I think on one hand, um, like, it's it took Taylor so long to speak out about her experience with disordered eating. Mm-hmm. And I hope she knows how much that meant to fans who have, like myself, um, yeah suffered with the same for a long time and didn't know how to talk about it. So I think it's incredible that she, you know, included a nod to that in the video. That said, you know, I didn't register it when the backlash began, but you can kind of see, first of all, that 
since they cut that and now you just see her get on the scale and the her alternate, you know, her alter ego looking at her disapprovingly, you don't need the scale to say fat to get yeah. that point across. Mm-hmm. And I do understand how, you know, like Taylor Swift is at every point in her career, she is a thin woman mm-hmm. um, by all standards. And so, you know, people who are larger would look at that and feel alienated. They would be like, you know, and also a lot of, you know, people have been taking back the word fat as a neutral term, like body yeah. neutrality. So, yeah. And exactly being like, I'm fat, I'm proud. It's just the way my body is, mm-hmm. um, you know, and so there, there was a negative implication attached, obviously, to how she showed that word in the video. Um, so, yeah, I'm split on it. I, I completely understand why people were hurt by it at the same time. I'm so proud of her for including this in the video when I truly after Miss Americana, I was like, we're never going to hear about this again. It's so disordered eating is so hard to talk about. Mm -hmm. And I thought she would put it out there kind of, you know, hopefully not regret talking about it in the documentary, but um, you know, it would be out there and that would be the last we would hear of it. But we get, Mm -hmm. we also get a a lyrical mention Mm -hmm. in um, you're on your own kit, which I really appreciate it. Starving my body. body. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And I think it's really great that she's talking about that. And I think it's going to help a lot of people. Do you think that she should have quietly, because how she did, she quietly removed that scene from that from the music video, do you think she should have maybe like addressed it or do you think it was a smart move just to quietly remove it and not like make any like headlines or tweets or about that? I mean, now that you mention it, I, I think I would have liked, you know, one tweet, an Instagram mm-hmm. story, maybe, you know, mm-hmm. um, just something addre- like, you know, addressing the fact that she recognizes the criticism that it received and understands it and mm-hmm. is changing the video tweaking the video because of it. Um, yeah, that's a good point yeah. that she did it quietly. Yeah. I mean, it's we're seeing more and more artists doing this, like Lizzo and Beyonce have had yeah. to change songs and videos after they were released because, you know, and it's so hard as an artist, like obviously you're not going to do something that you know is damaging to someone else or you, that you know is hurtful, but these accidents happen. They're, mis- they're like honest mistakes. Mm-hmm. And so you know, I think it's becoming the norm really um, to edit videos and songs after they've been released and after someone, you know, where people pick up on things that the artist themselves didn't realize when they, when they released it. Yeah. I think that's, what's been interesting. Cause I was yeah. following this kind of like in real time. I, I saw the music video, didn't think much of that scene at all. Right. Um, and then I started to see Swifties like tweet, like, oh, I wish she hadn't used the word fat like that. Mm-hmm. It, Like you said, it's not necessarily that they think she's actively trying to perpetuate fat phobia. It's that that word is wrapped up in fat phobia. And as it was used in the music video, you know, the intent versus impact is something that they were calling out. Um, and I think what's messy within the fandom is that there's this idea of blindly support where if someone criticizes Taylor, even within our own quote unquote faction, then it becomes like, oh my gosh, you're attacking her. You're, you're making, you're making her a victim. Like she's, she didn't mean that you have to do better than that. Like you're the problem, like get out of here. 
And so that creates more of an uproar. And then that feeds into people who maybe don't have any sort of care or affection for Taylor being like, oh, yeah, that is like she's a huge problem. Let's cancel her, which then feeds the more extremist Swifties to be like, see, everyone's out to get her. It's a vendetta. Like you're just trying to police this woman. And I really do think it came from the best intentions originally of people mm-hmm. just being like, this hurt me. And like this, mm-hmm. this wasn't someone who was actively acknowledging or addressing the work she did to unravel her own internalized fat phobia. It was just a quick like, oh, wouldn't it be bad to be fat? Like, don't you get that? Don't you understand why mm-hmm. I'd be scared to step on the scale? And mm-hmm. I think, you know, obviously, oh, as someone who's privileged in a way that I've never had to deal with sort of feeling um, – uh, feeling like that or being judged by society. Um, I just have a lot of sympathy for the people in my life who maybe were kind of isolated by that. And so Mm -hmm. then when she decided to kind of remove it, I was like, great, this is a great step. So it was interesting to see the, the backlash then be like, oh my gosh, people forced Taylor to do this. She's, she must be so sad. She put herself out there. She was so vulnerable and look at what you made her do. Which Mm -hmm. is where I think it would have been helpful to have her perspective on it because Mm -hmm. was she just learning and growing? Was she like, oh, yeah, this isn't necessary. I'll just take it out. Or was she, you know, weeping and and wailing and being like, how dare they ruin this for me type thing? Because I saw Rolling Stones do an article like saying Taylor Swift forced to minimize her disordered eating experience because people complained. And I just Mm – I think there's just a part of me that really – resents or kind of pushes against when society is asking us to sympathize with the person at the top of the pyramid Mm -hmm. and sort of belittling and diminishing the people below because the people who are complaining don't have any real power except the public square and they were trying to share and call in and call out sort of a perpetuation of things that we're still dealing with Mm -hmm. in this society and so to kind of write it off as like we forced her hand, well, that may be true, I think it's an opportunity to be like, well, maybe this was a good lesson. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. like you said, she doesn't want to harm people. So once she realizes, oops, like this did hurt some people's yeah. feelings, like it cost her absolutely nothing to change it. Mm-hmm. And so I guess I kind of feel like I think a lot of people want to say like, wow, people don't appreciate her opening up about her disordered eating but I think it's more just about that visual itself at least as far as what I've seen yeah Yeah. absolutely and then I'll pop in a little bit on this too because we've talked about this with Miss Americana like I started crying I'm gonna cry again during like the scene where she was talking about how like she was just too bad and she's talked about um those experiences because I've similar to you have um dealt with ED and something I still struggle with and with my daughter, you know, I've put on some weight since my, my daughter and I've tried to lose, tried to be healthy, but like, since having my daughter, I'm like, I don't want to project my insecurities onto her. And so when I first saw her get on the scale and the fat popped up, I was like, I can really relate to this. And so when we first talked with Shelby and Matt last week about it, I was like, I don't get it. Like why? Like, like it's, it speaks to me. I can relate to that. And then I'm thinking about my, my little daughter watching the music video and seeing fat and being like, that's bad. Like that, that's terrible. Like, so I'm like, I don't want her to have that projected on her. So I kind of see it through different eyes. 
um, as I, I would have like a year ago. Mm-hmm. And I also think taking out that fat, I still got like, I just watched the music video, taking out the fat, it still gave me the same like relatable, relatable buildingness. I can't talk without that yeah. fat on there. Like, I'm like, yeah. I get that. That's, I totally understand that. So, you know, I don't think that we're putting her in a square and like taking her experience away from her. Yeah, it definitely gets the point across. And if you can cut out something that was hurtful Mm -hmm. to people, like, why wouldn't you do it? You know? Yeah, yeah. I'm really, I'm really glad she made the change. Because I think the last thing she would want is for any fans to be, yeah, to to feel hurt or or targeted by something that was in one of her Mm -hmm. videos. Yeah. Well, and it just lets us kind of move on, right? Like it doesn't have to detract from the song Mm -hmm. or the story and it lets her kind of be like, why we're here. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Song and the story. (laughs) Yeah. And I am excited to like hear kind of your analysis because, you know, looking at the lyrics, there is like repetition. There is kind of this boppy chorus structure that's been TikTokified and like all of that. Um, so it's not when I feel like, oh, wow, this is like poetry. We need to dig into the lyrics here. But I'm I'm excited to jump in here. <laughs> yeah. Me too. I think you might be reading, Shelby. We've kind of gone okay, off perfect. the realm with this, but let's have you read this. <laughs> You're just so more eloquent than I am. Oh, well, thanks. No, but I'll, I'll give it a go. Um, so the first verse is, I have this thing where I get older but just never wiser. Midnights become my afternoons. When my depression works, the graveyard shit shift (laughs) all of the people i've ghosted stand there in the room i should not be left to my own devices they come with prices and vices i end up in crisis tale as old as time i wake up screaming from dreaming one day i'll watch as you're leaving because you got tired of my scheming for the last time it's got the best couplet on the album as far as i'm concerned I should not be left to my own devices. Crisis and vices, I end up in crisis. I mean, like, yes, yeah, tongue tie. <laughs> incredible and so relatable. I think, yeah, to anybody who's who has anxiety mm-hmm. and ends up, you know, when they're on their own, they withdraw, they isolate, mm-hmm. and they just end up in this, you know, self-loathing spiral. Yeah. <laughs> Um, she really illustrates that well here. Yeah. And I like it because it feels like a double meaning where it's like uh, devices could mean your phone, your your social media. Like she's constantly like being caught for like saying the wrong thing or yeah. lashing out over the wrong cause or not speaking up. And so I think it's interesting this like visual of the prices and vices where it's like, oh, she's not doing enough. She's doing too much. She wants mm-hmm. to speak out. She wants to you know, lash out, quote, unquote, but then what does that cost? And then she ends up in these literal PR crises that she has to sort through and that then haunt her throughout the rest of her, you know, ongoing life and and these midnights where she's just pacing the room and thinking and overthinking and worrying about like what went wrong or resenting how it played out. I like that reading a lot. I didn't even get that. Yeah, because I think literal devices. Like, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Plus, we all know social media is like the worst thing for mental health. Yeah, yes. I my mind yeah. immediately when she was saying left my own devices and she's causing crisis. The opening line, I think, is great too, where it's this admission, which is something she said in Miss Americana, where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I feel like you're frozen at the time became before when you became famous. And this, like, I have a thing where I get older, but just never wiser. And I meant to look up like a lyric because I feel like that's like a similar thing she sung about recently where it's like oh it's um 
the girl who got frozen, everything oh, yeah, moved yeah, on. Yeah. yeah. Um, still right here. Yeah. And so it seems like a image she she sticks to and that speaks to her where it's like yeah. she is kind of questioning like, oh, have I like grown up? Like, do I need to keep learning? Like, what is – what am I not getting that everyone thinks I'm supposed to have known by now? And that's yeah. sort and of arrested development. It. Tolerate it. She says, you're so much older and wiser and I wait oh, by yeah. the door like I'm just a kid. So there's yeah. so many elements in the past two albums where she just like feels like a kid and just frozen in mm-hmm. time and other songs too. Yeah. Yeah. Stunted growth, emotional mm-hmm. or otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas you hear about like famous people becoming like frozen in time of like when they became famous. So I feel like she's kind of like drawing on that too. Mm-hmm. My question with the music video is, what's with the purple goop? Like, what did that mean to you? <laughs> okay, I have the same question. The only thing I can think of is speak now. It's purple. Yeah. Like, could that have been like an homage, an Easter egg, what's to come, or just um, speak now? Also, was a lot of stuff that happened in her life. I think you had like a John Mayer, and then did we have the John Mayer and the the Kanye yeah. around that era? So like, there's a lot of like yeah. things where she's looking back on her life, being like, you know, the the you know Kimye, the Snake Gate. Like, there's all these things where kind of like everything kind of just uh, was trickling up, and that's where like the stuff happened because Kanye is. I, I want to say it's back to speak now, with Kanye. Mm. Like that's where I'll kind of like. I didn't get that at all. That's so funny. I, um, yeah, I admittedly though, and I've, I've said this before, like I am less of a, like look for every Easter egg right, fan right. than just like sit back and enjoy and like, mm-hmm. you know, interpret it how my mind will. But I, no, I just thought it was a nod to like the aesthetic for the era being mm. very like disco 70s glam, <laughs> like trading her cat eye for a smoky, sparkly eye. Yeah. Um, yeah. You saw the aesthetic peek through, but also like as I'm talking, remember how she talked about how she uses different pens for writing different mm. stories, and one of them is the, the glitter, glitter gel pen. Oh, it looks like glitter gel pen. I do love that. Hey, okay, nice I like yours better. That's than. a great Easter egg, Alana. Like I, there we go. When you're not looking for them, they <laughs> yeah. pop up their little heads. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't seen that. I've been mean, kind of like. Yeah. She you, talked I, about it. I. I think the first time she talked about it was at the Nashville yeah. Yeah. Songwriter Awards. Um, I haven't seen yeah. it. Yeah, she has Swifties say that so that's why well, there I'm like, you go <laughs> yeah We're, I'm kind Breaking of like doing away from from easter eggs because like back in like before rep area it was a lot of like fun little easter eggs to go and hunt and now with social media and tiktok shelby and i have talked about this it's just like she'll, she'll put it out there that's the easter egg and then people start like doing math and just like <laughs> kind of like making it too much so i like yeah. the glitter gel pen yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's like, usually I have found that with Taylor Swift, which is not to say she simplifies things because we all know she doesn't, but like whatever comes to mind first, I'm like, oh, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. a fair yeah. assessment. Um, and so then we get the chorus, which is, it's me, hi, I'm the problem, it's me. At tea time, everybody agrees. I'll still stare directly at the sun, but never in the mirror. It must be exhausting, always rooting for the anti-hero. And this is where the very hot Taylor shows up and kind of walks her through her traumatic insomnia ridden nights. Um, but yeah, this was a surprising course. It's very like sweet, very fun. It's very viral. Um, and so yeah, made for TikTok, yeah. which like is not a thing artists yes. should have to think about yeah. when they're writing songs. Yeah. And you know, who knows if she did that with, you know, that 
hook in mind, yeah. but it's a great hook regardless. It I'm is. like, I think she did very is... lightly on TikTok. I sometimes lurk and I still love it. Um, yeah. It's just very unique and, and it, mm-hmm. it hooks you and yeah. it's a great call and response. It's going to be so fun in a stadium, like a, you know, call, yes. calling back to us. Well, and I think it's like you go back to her original critique as she was getting more famous. It's like, oh, maybe she should write a song called Maybe I'm the Problem. Like, And I think that's like a nice reflection where she's like admitting to herself and to us, like, you're right. Like, I, I'll fully admit that my anxiety has not been my best friend. And like, I am the problem. And let's all just agree with it and move on. Thank you and good night. <laughs> Um, but then she also has the line, I'll stare, stare directly at the sun, but never in the mirror, which I think is like another really powerful, like self-aware kind of reflection and really human nature that I think we can all relate to where we don't want to be the problem. We don't want to be the cause. We don't want to look at our own flaws. We'd rather literally like blind ourselves than deal with it. Like, <laughs> I think that's an interesting visual to have there. Yeah. I love the flip flop of like, acceptance and denial here yeah. of being like mm-hmm. I'm the problem but I'm not gonna look at my I can't even look at myself <laughs> yeah. in the mirror you know yeah. I'm gonna avoid it but I know I'm the problem yeah um, so yeah, how did you read very this, relatable how did you read this like it must be exhausting always rooting for the anti-hero because what holds me back on this song is sort of like who is she saying that to and who is the anti-hero because it's herself right but then, so is she saying, <laughs> just walk me through it. <laughs> the way I read it, and this is just my interpretation, I read Tea Time as like gossip hour right. tabloids. Mm-hmm. Like everybody agrees she's the problem. Mm-hmm. So she is addressing fans and saying, it must be hard rooting for somebody who is mm. hated by. I mean, what seems to me like an ever-decreasing group of people, if (laughs) we're being honest. Um, But yeah, rooting for somebody who is kind of all tied up in occasional controversy. Which is interesting because when you watch the music video, there's three Taylors. So there's like Mm -hmm. the real Taylor and then there's the alter ego Taylor, who I think is the the anti-hero. I feel Mm -hmm. like it's her public perceptions of anti-hero. That's who people are like rooting for. That's who people are rooting to fail. People are rooting for her to succeed. So I, th- I really like how she did that visually within the music video mm-hmm. is to kind of separate the two. Cause yeah. she's like, this is what people see. And this is who I really am. Like, right. Well, it, and she's it, the drama. She's the one drinking, yeah. partying, smashing guitars. Like mm-hmm. yeah. I can, I like Which that. Which is funny because when I think of partiers, I do not think of like Taylor. <laughs> she stays out too late. Okay. Yeah. Got nothing on her brain. <laughs> I will never get over those lines because I don't think anybody's ever <laughs> yeah. said those two things about her, yeah. but I digress. Yeah. <laughs> no, I do like that and sort of the um, – I can see that. And then the giant is just kind of her what – what do we read with that? I think that's like her whole fame overall, just kind of mm. like shadowing kind of it. beast that can't yeah. be controlled. Yeah. yeah, that clip that she um, – had around the time they were rolling out the t- uh, the title the titles of each track, saying like her life has become unmanageably mm. large, mm. Um, and just like an outsized presence wherever she goes. So yeah. a very literal twist yeah. on that, which is in the next verse. Yeah, which I so, also really like. Yeah, she says sometimes I feel like everybody is a sexy baby, and I'm a monster on the hill, too big to hang out, slowly lurching toward your favorite city, pierced through the heart but never killed. 
which I liked the sexy baby lane. Uh, I did too. Ashley and I talked about that. We were fine with it the instant yeah. we heard it. Absolutely no drama about it. It's one of my favorites. I was really disappointed by how angry people got about this. <laughs> like, do you really think she's yeah. saying babies are se- literal babies are sexy? Yeah. Um, I am a devoted 30 Rock fan, yeah. so I don't – to be honest, she hasn't said anything about it yet, and I really yeah. hope she does. Yeah. I really hope she, like on a late night show or an Apple Music interview with Zane Lowe, I just really want her to come clean about where this came from. But my mind went to yeah. I'm a very I'm sexy, sexy baby. baby. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that's what also I feel like in the music video it could have been more like these vapid kind of like overly sexualized um, – male gazy figures but instead it was kind of this like cool kid party um mm-hmm. which i think is interesting because she obviously wants the like cool kids to like her mm-hmm. um but she still feels sort of like this awkward i don't fit in with the indie crowd almost um and i like that because obviously people give her a hard time for feeling like the underdog constantly but i think this just shows with her being a giant sort of the social awkwardness she feels kind of navigating those spaces where people might be hesitant to accept her because she doesn't fit the usual like trope mm-hmm. and also the line about lurching toward your favorite mm-hmm. city it just yeah. made me think of all the backlash with welcome to new york and people being like she doesn't understand our town. She doesn't even go here. Yeah. I mean, part of me kind of felt like it kind of was speaking out to, you know, when she was in 1989, mm-hmm. she had her big girl group and mm-hmm. then she kind of hit her peak and her, her friends kind of fell away from her mm-hmm. when she was this big giant RIP Taylor Swift. And she, it just, it, it sings to that to me of, when she gets too big for the wrong reason, her friends are going to be like, oh, my name can't be associated with yours. Yeah. I, I have to step out of this. And then I think it's just, you know, she was bringing these friends to all like these big tour cities. Like they're all coming yeah. down the catwalk with her. <laughs> yeah. And then, but they leave when she becomes too big for the wrong reason, when she becomes a monster. Yeah. Yeah. And so then she sings, did you hear my covert narcissism? I might disguise as altruism like some kind of congressman, tale as old as time. I wake up screaming from dreaming. One day I'll watch as you're leaving and life will lose all its meaning for the last time. This is good because I feel like that's definitely obviously a criticism we've seen of her is that, oh, she's just doing performative like action. Like she doesn't, she, you know, she just wants to get in with the, LGBT crowd so she's releasing you need to calm down she's she's not actually being thoughtful she's just throwing money at Kesha like you know it's like Mm -hmm. there's this constant doubting of her good intentions and so this line reads even how she sings it which is kind of more throaty and sarcastic it feels like she's like oh did you hear like I can't even do this right like I'm just always going to be playing a game in your mind Mm mm-hmm yeah, it's I, I feel like celebrities can't escape that. Again, yeah. not that we should feel bad for them, <laughs> yeah. but um yeah, performative altruism is yeah, all yeah. too real. Yeah. Um and I love the way she sings this line. I love I love it lyrically. Um and the, the ending of this verse is just so dark. Yeah. It feels like she's gonna alienate her final partner and never have mm-hmm. another one. Yeah. And I mean you can read it even darker. Well, I just, darker than that. Yeah, but. I think that's just been her fear throughout every single relationship that she has, and she mm-hmm. can't escape it. That's like yeah. a monster for her. She just can't escape that, even though she has 
Joe, who has been by her side for six years, it's always in the back of her mind. Like, when is this going to end? When is this going to be too much for him? Yeah. Well, and it's like, I think there is sort of this, like you said, her kind of song about it must be exhausting, always rooting for the anti-hero being aimed at the fans. I feel like this too is like, like her whole identity is wrapped up in being this performer and being this artist and like her fear then her insecurity then is like holy shit what if I lose all this like what if my fans do turn on me like everyone will betray you and then I'll have Mm -hmm. nothing and these 16 years in the industry will have come for to an end and then what am I and I think that you know kind of that um insecurity and panic there of like the sustainability of her career which she's again talked about often of like oh you hit 30 and you're like over Mm -hmm. and yet geriatric yeah (laughs) yeah she feels like she's not she doesn't believe that she'll be able to like even on I think Jimmy Fallon this last year she made a joke this last month she made a joke about it like where she's like Mm -hmm. you put them out to pasture and I think it is like a real kernel of insecurity where she's like when is this going to end for me? Like I'm, I'm older. I, uh, are people really going to come to my on show? On the other side of that, I can relate that to that a lot, even though I'm not like a, a I'm not her at all. I'm, I'm 36 and I'm just like, okay, like I'm, I'm getting older. Like, am I going to yeah. be able to get like the jobs I want? Like it's always a constant fear in my mind. And I think, and like my husband's like 34, that's not a fear in his mind <laughs> at all. So I, I like yeah. a lot of this song, a lot of this era that she's like, pushed out has been really relatable to me who I'm 36 no one knows who I am but I'm like hey Taylor I was like you're always proving to me that you're relatable even though you're like (laughs) nothing like me that's her true gift I think is like not but people get very hung up on like what elements what lyrical elements are pulled from which of her relationships I'm like no her gift is writing songs that are relatable to everyone Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah um yeah like who hasn't you know felt like they're defining themselves by their job, yeah. you know, um, it, it becomes like an oversized presence in your life and how you, you know, sort of Navigate show yourself it. to the world. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Um, so then we get the verse, the chorus again. It's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me at tea time. Everybody agrees. I'll still stare directly at the sun, but never in the mirror. It must be exhausting, always rooting for the anti-hero. And then we get this, sort of punchy bridge. I have this dream. My daughter-in-law kills me for the money. She thinks I left them in the will. The family gathers round and reads it. And then someone screams out. She's laughing up at us from hell, <laughs> which is kind of a f- surprising twist. One, because she has no kids, but two, because it's like a very dark dream to, to share, you know, <laughs> to have, mm-hmm. <laughs> to believe in. So how did you read this? Like, how do you feel like it do you think it's mostly sarcasm or kind of like hyperbolic or? I mean, I think it's probably based on a crazy dream yeah. she had. Um, I absolutely love in the video that she decides to turn her Rhode Island mansion into a cat sanctuary. Yeah. Exactly what I would do if yeah. I were her. Yeah. yeah. Um, her cats are her kids, um, at I, least for now. I kind and... of feel like this is her kind of like sharing her insecurity that the only about what she's going to leave behind when she's yeah. gone like what mm-hmm. her what what is it called her uh, her legacy her legacy is going yeah. to be it's going to be more about you know 
what she is to everybody else than what she really was. Yeah. Like how much, how many cats she had, like yeah. how much money she had, what, what she spent with it. You know, people are going to value her. Like I think in the spread, I was watching it, even with fans, like mm-hmm. are fans meeting her because they really want to meet her or are they meeting her for that photo to share? So they go viral. Like, yeah. I, you know, a lot of people are like, I had a dream one time that I met Taylor Swift and to take a photo. And I was like freaking out because <laughs> I didn't have that photo to share with everybody. So I just was thinking like, is she, yeah. is she really, what is she worth to everyone? Is it? Yeah. Well, and she has the line in the music video, like, P.S., there are no cryptic, like, clues hidden. There's not a secret message hidden here, which is sort of a tongue-in-cheek call out to how fans can't just let the art be art. They have to, like, read into it and analyze it three years in the past. And um, and I think that's something she plays with but also gets frustrated by, which is a realistic feeling. Not We can't always be excited by the same thing every time. But I like the extremism of this visual because – it's like a betrayal from her own family. Like it's like mm-hmm. that's how dark her psychology feels at this moment. It's like I don't know if I can trust my own kids to be happy with me unless mm-hmm. they get something from me. Yeah. And that's right. like – Right, and it goes back to her like everyone will betray you yeah. <laughs> sign that she points at. Um, yeah. yeah, the fact that she doesn't know who her allies are and yeah. she just – you know, makes up her mind that she will somehow turn everyone against her that's yeah. close mm-hmm. to her. Um, everyone she loves will leave her. Yeah. So, well, yeah. sad. <laughs> it's, re- it's really sad, it's but sad. it made for a very funny yeah. <laughs> uh, little scene in that video. I have to yeah. Say. And then she has this play out where she s- slows it down and kind of does the spoken word rather than straightforward singing it. And she says, It's me. Hi. I'm the problem. It's me. It's me. Hi. I'm the problem. It's me. It's me. Hi. Everybody agrees. Everybody agrees. And she sings out the outro. I'm the problem. It's me at team time. Everybody agrees. I'll stare directly at the sun, but never in the mirror. It must be exhausting. Always rooting for the anti-hero. And the music video sort of concludes with all three of them sitting on the rooftop, sort of drinking together. Right? They Mm -hmm. like cheers or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Drink away their yeah. I love Taylor's commitment to a spoken word interlude yeah. on all of her lead singles. Yeah. You just always know you're going to get one. Yeah, I think this one's really fun, even though it's pretty simplistic. Um, yeah. And I love the vocal play. The It's me. Uh, Hi. Yeah. <laughs> the increasing urgency and desperation. Yeah. Um, and almost exhaustion where she's like, yeah, yeah. It, I'll say it again. Like a hi. Like. Mm-hmm. Which I do feel like, you know, she's been at this 16 years, 10 albums. Like, she's understands that people are going to lob the same criticism at her, mm-hmm. that she'll hate on the mm-hmm. same things about herself. But it's like, okay, guys, we just have to learn to live with this. Like, we have to come together on this and just like, like she said, like the pieces we like and also like the pieces we don't always like because that's that's what we're stuck with at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, do you have any other final thoughts about it, Ilana? I just think it's an awesome track. Yeah. I love the sound of it. I It really burrows its way. It's such an yes. earworm. It really burrows its way into your head. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just, it amazes me how this is the perfect mix of a like made for TikTok track, yeah. but oh. also made for the top of the Billboard charts. Yeah. <laughs> and 
and a fan favorite. Like that's what's crazy. I'm so used to my favorite song on a Taylor Swift album not being everyone's favorite. (laughs) Yeah. So it's really weird to be in the majority suddenly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know totally how I feel about it because I want like sometimes the songs to be like my special way. Yeah. but I, I love that other people. You have karma so for much. that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, and I, again, like, you know, like Ashley, you were saying, like, we are regular people who deeply relate to mm-hmm. some of the things yeah. she's saying in this song. Um, and I think, you know, I've had anxiety my whole life and it really captures mm-hmm. that feeling of a spiral when you're on your own and questioning everything about yourself and how people perceive you and how you perceive yourself. Yeah. Um, So. And it's kind of the perfect, like, yeah, exactly. She like dresses it up with that glitter pen so that she Mm -hmm. can kind of confess it. So she does keep that sort of armor on, which Mm -hmm. in itself is a relatable um, way to deal with anxiety where I'm constantly playing it up for laughs or being like, you know, flipping about it and just like, ah, it's not that deep, but. And it kind of is, you know. <laughs> right. Turning your therapy session into a, you know, yeah. a, a talk. You're like, there I go is- again. Yeah. <laughs> so it does feel like that whole track is kind of her battling with how to share, wanting to share, but also doing it in a way that, like, respects her own boundaries about, like, the the depth she'll go um, mm-hmm. on a track that, that she finds so vulnerable still. Yeah. It's really funny when you think about how – with the lover rollout, right? She released pages of her diary and yeah. this is sort of taking that concept one step further, yeah. you know, putting them into song and you pick up on some of these, the, mm-hmm. some of the, you know, tidbits from the diary yeah, pages uh-huh. in these songs. Well, and the like Elle magazine, 30 lessons before 30 she did, yeah. I think has a lot of, you can see how she's been stewing over this, like, you know, not just for the last two years, but just the last like few eras where she's like, man, how do I, yeah, how has my life become so unmanageable and how do I like take control of that without completely giving up what I love mm-hmm. doing? And so I yeah. think Midnight's is an interesting hark back where Lover, she was like, everyone wanted to make diary entry or like PowerPoints about my life. And there's this real resentment to it. Whereas now she's like, okay, mm-hmm. like, yes, I get it. Like it's, a, I have lived a messy life, but I don't think you should fault me for that. And it's kind of like right. giving it back a little bit. So I'm excited to talk about more songs, but um, Ilana, thank you so much for joining us to talk about this one. I appreciate the insight you've given us. Yes. And I always love when you email us and claim a song. Yeah. (laughs) I know. Well, I was going to say, I had to do it quick. Yeah. Like a couple days ago, I realized, or right before I DM'd, I was like, wait, the album's been out for like a week and I haven't slid into the end yet (laughs) and been like, by the way, this is my favorite one. Don't record it without me. You're an anti-hero. That's going to be top of your list. And it was. So yeah. I just knew. First listen. Like, Yeah. Left a mark. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I'm sure we'll be able to see you on tour, talk to you um, yeah. as these, uh, you know, what what comes out next. I think we're due for another music video eventually, according to her trailer. Um, yeah. I think Lavender Haze is yeah, probably coming yeah. sooner rather than yeah. later. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> and if the Swifties have read the runes correctly, speak now. Taylor's version should be entering the chat shortly. Um yeah. So lots to come. Uh, Thank you for joining us. Always a pleasure. We hope to be doing these regularly. Um, 
going forward. I know we've been on a bit of a hiatus, um, but we're ready to get into it again. I think this album leaves a lot to talk about. So yeah, it's my time so, to outro, right? Uh, it's you, you <laughs> introed, I outro. So it is. It's, you you introed. Oh, you go ahead. You guys, my baby brain. I don't know what's going on with my life. I don't even have a baby and I have yeah. a baby brain. How does that happen? I might have had this before I had a baby. Yeah. I just now yeah. heavily into it. There we go. Well, in any case, I'm Shelby. <laughs> and I'm Ashley. And um, Taylor, we should not be left to our own devices either. But um, we're excited to come back and talk about next tracks next week. And uh, we'll see you then. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye.